My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show, spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are, the Nichols and May of the now generation, your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Welcome to Heritage Radio, Mike. <laughs> W-I-N-O. <laughs> We've got it all today. We've got all known kinds of music. We've got country and western. We've got punk and rock, rhythm and blues. And I'm still a little blinded by the star power in the dining room at Roberta's. Oh my god, I can't believe Guy Fieri was here. With Mario Batali. I I can't I I was I was checking out Guy. I think my my theory is that he's a natural blonde, but he dyes his roots dark to look more like a slut. <laughs> you know how that's kind of hard to do. I don't think Guy puts that much work into it. I was, I did note that he didn't have his sunglasses on backwards, which he does on his awful shows. I, you know, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, I'm not really part of that world. I mean, he's, is he the guy that has all those like awful places in Times Square? Is he the dude that like? Yeah, he's the one who has like up? the gravy pickles with mushrooms oh, or whatever. God. I don't know. And like of course, gross. Mario. Of course, uh, we're, we're we're big fans of though, some of our, our favorite. I thought stuff. Guy Ritchie was here. I was more excited. <laughs> <laughs> guy Ritchie was that like Mr. Madonna? Is that who the guy is? The guy Lombardo. There's better guys. <laughs> guy Lombardo would have been great, except for I wouldn't have recognized him. <laughs> well, he's, he's dead though, right? Yeah, wonderful. you would have recognized wonderful. him because he'd be the dead guy. Zombie Guy Lombardo. Wonderful. Our younger. Demographic doesn't know who Guy Lombardo is, uh, nor, nor Nichols and May. But our guest today ch- brightened up when he heard that we were the Nichols and May of the now generation. He's like, hey, man, I got those records. <laughs> I'm really, really happy and proud to introduce our good friend, Tom Clark, one of the great unsung heroes of New York rock and roll. He's been the next big thing for 30 years. When am I going to be sung? <laughs> yeah. yeah. sung here on the Mike and Judy show, buddy. You know what's... The only like, thing I have bigger was my waistline. Oh. <laughs> Usually when we have a musical guest on, you know, I ask people, I ask around, so what do you think? What do you think? You're like the only person nobody says, like, they don't even not say mean things. They say, he's the greatest guy. What a, <laughs> what a mensch. He's wonderful. So, welcome. Tom's so you've been fl- talking to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Who's who I understand is listening today. She is. She's tuning in from Rochelle, Illinois right now. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Uh, my, I mean, I love your mom, like, just based on what you post on Facebook. She's always, like, scoring you, like, some, like, rad guitar at a flea market. And every and all the, you know, the Facebook gawkers, you know, when you, she picks up some, like, 1949 Gibson for you. Or, like, or, like, a song at the flea market in DeKalb. She's great that way. You know, my mom, she, uh, she, she, she never complains. She's a typical Midwestern mom. Like, she could be on fire, and you could cut her arm off, and she'd be bleeding to death. And you'd go, hey, mom, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Just like you know, our mom. That's kind of like, that's like, you know. <laughs> that's but, like you know, she, she would always leave messages going, uh, oh, Tom, it's, you know, it's mom, nothing important. You don't have to call me back. And you know, she could be dying, you know. But one morning I was, I was actually on the couch after being a rather late night, and uh, the phone rang at about 8 in the morning, 
nine in the morning. She meant it's about eight or seven in Illinois. And she goes, Tom, it's mom. If you're there, pick up. I thought, oh, shit, somebody died. You know, like this has got to be bad. Cause and I picked it up. I said, hello. And she's like, Tom, I'm at a yard sale. There's an amplifier next to a lawnmower. They want $40 for it. And I said, well, what is it? It's a magnetone. <laughs> like a 1959 magnetone this guy's sister got to play accordion yeah, through. Yeah, it's the one that Jack White just paid $6,000 for or yeah. something, right? It's, it's one model away from Buddy Holly's. It's, it's amazing. Original foot switch, everything, 40 bucks. She's, she's good that way. I like wow. That. Yeah. I like that. She's cool. And what about the lawnmower? <laughs> it, was she musical? No, she, she played accordion. Uh, That's well, musical. No, nah, not a, not the way she played the guy, it. The guy Lombardo <laughs> play accordion. <laughs> My mom knows one song, and it's nobody likes me, everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. It's <laughs> kind of punk rock. Speaking of punk rock, you know, I mean, you got your punk rock roots. That's sort I of do. how you and I uh, met. Oddly, that oddly is enough, the most crazy story. I was <laughs> I was in a band in Chicago called Blatant Descent, and we did a couple records with Steve Albini and one of the Jeff Pizzotti from Naked Ray Gun, and I up and moved to New York. And they became a band called Tar. And John from Tar was visiting, and we got a call from Gerard Cosloy. And he said, come down to the studio. Gigi Allen's making a record. And I thought, you know, I knew a little bit about Gigi. I didn't know enough. And I just started, you know, I'd only been here. I hadn't even been here a year. This would be about late 86, early 87. That's right. And we go down to this recording studio that was across from Manitoba's in that deli. It was called, like, the Music Box. Yeah, yeah, music on Avenue, shop. right on Avenue. Yeah, it was like this one room. Filled with dog shit, and it smelled like... It smelled horrible in there, unless it was Gigi. I don't know. Somehow I don't remember it that way. Oh, I, think, I do. I think this may be the filter of selective memory. So yeah. like the Gigi well, legacy and the reality. I walked in, and I was d- just started wisdom. dating this girl, and I was quite smitten with, like, you know. And so I, brought, I thought, hey, I'll impress her and bring her to recording <laughs> session. Good move, Tom. And, yeah, it wasn't quite the Joe Perry project. No, it, and we show up at the door, and he actually answered the door. As <laughs> oh! cliche as you could get with a bottle of Jack Daniels and beer, and he goes, you guys in time to do the harmonies. <laughs> and they were doing that Charles Manson yeah, yeah, song, yeah. Garbage Dump. Which I thought was actually the, 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 a jewel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. On that but, record, I was always very proud of that. But by and, the time you guys started working on that song, Bloody Mary, yeah. she's like, I'm out of here. And then I looked at her, and I looked at Gigi, I looked at her, I looked at Gigi, and said, <laughs> you know, I'm out of here too. And she took me, we left, and she took me to 2A. And that was the first time I went to 2A, which I've had a 26-year love affair with, you know. Uh, 2A, we're we're going to have to find that Charles Manson track. We'll play that before we leave today. But actually, on the track, you could hear at the end of it, if you listen to the record, she's just like, that was horrible. Let's keep it. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, years later, I meet Med- you know, I've met Edison over the years. I didn't realize he was Sharky, the guy that was in the sound booth when we showed up playing. And he, he had just come out with your book. I fun, have fun everywhere I go. And he started, he was in the bar and he was telling a Gigi Allen story. I said, I got a Gigi Allen story. And then he suddenly <laughs> realized, and he was kind of looking at me like I was full of it, like I wasn't there. He didn't remember me. And I said, you know, my friend Brian calls me the Clark Hivist because I save everything. I don't give a... And so I came, I, I went home and I found three pictures of Mike at, at Vazax at 7B with Gigi. And one, Gigi's lighting this handsome young guy's <laughs> cigarette. I'm like, that's you. I had hair. <laughs> I was felt. I was a perfect size four. Yeah, we then. all were. <laughs> Those were good days. Um, tell you what, though, before we go any further, I think you should uh, whip a song on a song so we can hear some of that Tom Clark magic and uh, talk about what's happening. You want a fast one or right slow one? now. Judy. Let's go with a fast one. Judy likes it fast. Then again, Judy is a punk rocker. <laughs> uh, I got to bed at five this morning, so I'm a little... Uh, you are the most individual tempo. man in town. But uh, Judy was talking about her blonde hair, and this is uh, called Caught Blonde Handed. I'm going to cut one of the solos out just because it's just me. Now, if Edison had his shit together and had a guitar here... Oh! <laughs> Judy never lets me play. 
All right, this is called. This is off our. La- we had a last record called Cross-eyed and Bow-legged. We got a new one coming out, but this is off the last one. So let's see if I can do it by myself. This is a totally true story about doing a Beach Boy tribute night at Fez, and this girl didn't show up that was supposed to show up. So it literally it wrote itself, basically. You didn't meet me when you were supposed to last night. Well, I did called on something was wrong. Well, that's right. So scrambled up 18 blocks In my new shoes and white socks I felt strong Something was wrong So bust and buzz again To someone let me in I guess it wasn't you So I sat outside the door You let me in the night before Just what could I do Then you don't know why There was a guy inside And you had better minds And then you realized you were caught Caught blonde-handed yeah. You were caught, blonde-handed And I just couldn't stand it, yeah Oh, what could I say? I just turned and ran away Into the Chelsea night well, well, I was wound up tight came and you could just play anything like oh i didn't really plan anything but i'm just going to play this amazing song that well we're very fortunate i mean i mean i mean tom and, and gary and some of the other people i mean world-class natural rock and roll roots musicians an american musician <laughs> <laughs> that's what you play right american music yeah i tried the chinese music it didn't work out so good you chinese know. music being like bebop like what, Coleman, <laughs> right? Isn't that what Coleman hawkins said about uh, dizzy gillespie and chinese music 
You're like me, Tom. You, you flat your fifths. You don't drink them. Switch <laughs> that. Drink, drink, drink the fifths. Yeah. You're well, musicians. I don't even know what you're saying. Um, I love the story, Tom, of uh, your first gig when you, when you got to New York. Oh, wow. um, you, you, were, you were a barbershop musician without the quartet. Yeah. You know, for seven years in DeKalb, Illinois, where I grew up, uh, I worked in cornfields in the summer, like most people do. It's no big deal. But I did it for like seven years, and then I worked at a place called Jewel Food Store at night. So I was literally doing like 96 hours a week and gigging, you know. So It's a big deal for people from the New Jersey suburbs you didn't, you didn't like work, us. You didn't, you didn't work in the, in the cornfields out I, there in Bloomfield? I, it wasn't Bloomfield. Well, I used to have to mow the lawn once in a while. I did plenty of that, too. But when I moved to New York, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a job, so uh, I didn't know what to do. So I I borrowed my roommate's guitar, and um, I was actually wearing, like, all his clothes for some reason. Is that, like, laundry time, everything? And I stood in front of Astor Place Barbershop. This is 1986, for nine and a half hours. And I actually kept a diary kind of thing. Which, of course, the minute your life gets interesting, you stop keeping one, you know. Because <laughs> you don't have time. But this actually is in there, right? I played nine and a half hours, and I think I made like $46, a warm Budweiser. Someone gave me some French fries, and the pretzel guy in the pretzel cart next to me gave me a pretzel. But Enrico Veza, the owner of Astor Place, kept coming out and, you know, giving me money and going, you still here? And, you know, my voice was fried, nine and a half hours, and... He gave me a job. He said he was going to give me a job to call him. I thought he was going to give me a job sweeping up hair, which I would have been fine with. I would have done it because there was 120 barbers there at the time. It was oh three stories. God. It was crazy. And he wanted me to go chair to chair singing and taking requests. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and I did it for you know, like a year and a half. Did, they Eight, give, did you get well, free so, haircuts? Yeah. I actually had hair to cut. And... Um, it was eight hours a day, seven days a week, just like the cornfields, pretty much. And, and tw- they pay me $20 a day. Oh, my God. And that's supposed to make tips. And then you realize that people go to Astor Place because they have no money. It was like a $4 haircut at the time or I had, something. Yeah, it was really cheap. And I have a picture of me, like, standing. Like, at one point, they bought me a microphone and a crappy little speaker. And I'm standing by, like, the perm, like, people getting <laughs> perms. And all the barbers were on Coke then. Like, they're all coked out of their minds. And they all fought for customers with each other. It was insane. It was like, like the so, Indian restaurants on Sixth Street or yeah, something. Come like here, that. come here, That's come what here. They did. That's so, what so what, what kind of requests do you get from uh, people getting their haircut at Astor Place? I mean, I sang for like Martin Sheen and like all kinds of crazy <laughs> people going in there. Like, like he couldn't afford better than a twelve dollar haircut. Well, it was kind of got kind of trendy right at Astor Place. Yeah. So it was kind of like an epicenter of like the punk haircut. Well, I you know reason. a lot of people come up to me like Johnny Melville, the drummer from the Every Others, who was also in my band, the High Action Boys. Uh, he told me that's where he first saw me. It was like. I think he told me I played an Aztec camera song for him or something like that. Like, <laughs> well, you know, like, Dean Martin got his start as a barber. He was cutting hair, so all the greats. That's, that worked for him somehow. All, all the greats seem to start in that industry. Okay, so uh, bring, bring us forward. I mean, you've made so many good records. You've got your current band, The High Action Boys. You've got a long-term relationship with Marshall Crenshaw, great guitar player, songwriter, singer, um, pop star. Yeah, Marshall, like, you know, I never wrote a fan letter in my life, really. Uh, but I wrote him a letter in college because I really admired him. He... Between, like, good punk records and him and, you know, a handful of bands really saved the 80s for me because even as a kid, I was an old man. Like when I, the 80s were tough. Yeah. And, and my, I, I mean, the first, the 80s. My dad, his business, one of his businesses was antique toys, and he collected antique cars. But back then, you could buy, like, a, an antique car for $100 because they were only 15 years old then or 20 years <laughs> old in the 70s. You know, right. you think about it, It's like buying a car from the 90s now. But... uh 
So I, I spent a lot of time at flea markets, toy shows, car shows. And car shows were cool, but they, I was bored after about five minutes. And I bought my first record player at a car show, and on it was Poor Little Fool by Ricky Nelson. So that was technically the first record I bought. And my brother Mitch had this pickup truck, and the, it was in the back. On the way home, we were going to this gravel road, and he's looking at his rearview mirror, and he's like, what the hell? One of the speakers had come off. It was those old 60s ones where the speakers come off the sides, mm-hmm. you know? had come off, and it was dragging behind the truck, oh, still no. attached. So for years, I had this old record player that one speaker was beat to hell. It still worked, <laughs> but the other one looked good. But yeah, Poor Little Fool by Ricky Nelson. I still love that song, you know? It's written by Eddie Cochran's girlfriend, Sharon Sheely. What was your first record, Mike? The first record I got, well, you know, the first one that really changed things. I, no, I, no, the first one you purchased. The, the first, embarrassing, the first one, I'm sure. No, Come on. I think it was probably Elton John. I mean, Elton John kind of ruled uh, WABC 77, right? right. Yeah. In New York City, That's Top it. 40 AM radio. Um, you know, which, uh, which is uh, Cousin Brucey, of yeah. course. Yeah. Cousin Brucey. And Norman Knight, and a lot of people that uh, later um, came to CBS FM yeah. and sort of took over. Um, but, you know, there was Three Dog Night and Elton John, and the Stones were still had a couple of hits, and Creedence, I think, had their last hit. Um, uh, <coughs> that was Creedence's last hit. I just seem to remember them. And uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I didn't buy that, but I'm pretty sure the first single was probably Crocodile Rock or something like that. But at the time, 1975... Um, you know, when I start the first LP that made an impact on me was the soundtrack to American Graffiti. Mm, that's a great uh, one, unbelievably good record, right? Nine hundred like, songs on one. Holy record. shit! And, but, it, but it's like how I first heard Fats Domino and Jerry Lee Lewis and, and Little Richard, and I heard Johnny Be Good, Chuck Berry, and it was like an epiphany, and it was like the real deal. It was like holy shit, this is what I want to do. I want to play this rock and roll yeah. music. I didn't have an epiphany with music like that again until the first time I heard like Funhouse by the Stooges. <laughs> you know, it just sort of changes you know your whole brain pattern. Yeah. You know? it's sort of emanating like beta waves instead of like Theta Waves or something. It's, it was like what that was your first one to be good. Convoy by C.W. Oh, that's a good one. Let <laughs> the right. truckers roll 10 for it. Right. I bought a set, like the single at Corvettes or Two Guys. And Tur- oh, yeah. Turquoise Cor- and Gold label, MGM. Corvettes. I remember it well. Had it too. <laughs> yeah, Cor- Corvettes, man. So uh, bring us back to Marshall Crenshaw. Someone we got from oh, so I wrote him this letter. You know, just saying, I was in college and I was in my like, second year and I just wasn't feeling it. You know, I was working a lot, too. I was paying cash to put myself through college, and I just, Where I don't know. Where did you go to school? NIU. It's uh, in DeKalb, Illinois. And, uh, I, just, I think NYU will take cash, too. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I guess any school will take cash. Of course, you've got to bring it Back the truck up. Big, big Scrooge McDuck bags, you know. <laughs> Were you I, working at the cornfield I was, yeah. And, you know, Marshall was nice enough to actually write me back, because I think I'd written him a letter before about this Jive 5 song he covered called What Time Is It? And um, I had it on this Dr. Pepper present Dick Clark presents Dr. Pepper or whatever. But he says that's where he learned it from. And he wrote me this nice letter and he said, basically, go for it. And he says, I wouldn't normally say that, but and I did. So I still blame him to this day that I'm here. It's a real Damon Runyon story. He says, but, when, when the guy at the barbershop offers you a job, take that job. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Marshall's act, we're, we're doing a new record right now with Ivan Julian, you know, from the Voidoids and Matthew Sweet and all. And he's the greatest and Marshall came in and played on three songs on the new record and he's just like just the best did we did we manage to hook up a song that's it's over here oh it's still over here well in that case you're gonna have to play another one (laughs) (laughs) sorry Tom okay um you got something from the new record for us yeah um we were talking about how crappy the East Village is now um earlier kind of well not crappy but you know it's a lot different than it used like than when I met you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to say you know I used to date a girl on 
Avenue C, and I wouldn't even go there during the day. Oh man, you know, because it was just all those bulletproof bodegas. Like, you, know, you, know, you, went, you, know, you went to Avenue C to like cop dope, not to like buy wicker furniture. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I'd let my grandmother walk down Avenue C at like one in the you morning. Know, Avenue, B, it's like... Avenue B, the B might as well be for bistro. At this point. <laughs> it is. It's like French restaurants. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Yeah, I know, but I wrote this. Uh, this is this is one of my wimpier uh, songs, but it's about the. For some reason, a lot of people like it. It's called "Whatever's Being Said." It's just about being old and the side. And how I always tell people, like you know, people think New York City is a big place, but it's not. It's like the tiniest little. When I go home and it's I tell, a, it's a small town. And you talk about all the you talk about all the people you see on the street and the people you meet, and people think you're lying. But it's like no, it's only this wide, so everybody shares the same sidewalk space, you know. So, I'm sure I'm sure Guy Fieri's out there going, "Is that Tom Clark?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is off the new record. Uh, it's one of my wimpier songs. Wait, okay, I'm gonna take these headphones off. Okay. Whew. But I know you did Cause you were seen all Saturday New York City rises high from the ground The Lower East Side It's a real small town Everyone knows every other one's dirt Saw you hanging off of him Like a real cheap shirt But oh, so it goes I guess one never knows It wasn't love But it was better than a kick in the head Now I go to work With a sad and desperate lurk And listen Whatever's being said I never smoked and never took it off the way my dad and brothers did But then I drink in such a way you'd never think of such a gentle kid A thousand miles on a double dog dare now There's lines on my face and a little less hair And a tendency for falling asleep When the video's in and the plot gets deep But oh, so it goes I guess one never knows it wasn't the plan, but it was something that I did instead Now I lie around The TV sound turned down So I can't listen to whatever's being said And oh, I don't know why Somehow it's come to this Lovers are hit and miss Seems like the right thing to do So not even care, but Then I find little time To give to the one that I need Love is undeserved You said you wouldn't But you wouldn't Had to go and do it anyway Said you didn't, but I know you did Cause you were seen on Saturday New York City rises high from the ground Lower East Side, it's a real small town Everyone knows every other one's dirt 
So you're hanging off of him like a real cheap shirt, but oh, so it goes. I guess one never knows. It wasn't love, but it was better than a kick in the head. Now I go to work with a sad and desperate lurk and listen to whatever's being said. Love that. Oh, thank you. You know, man, that's that's real like Greenwich Village, nineteen sixty-five. It's got no. I mean, say that the best best possible way. You know, it's got 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 a, got a real, um, you know, like like street level folk vibe to it. <laughs> Thanks. You know, but as a relationship advice columnist, I need to ask: There's so much heartbreak in the last two songs. Ah, uh, you know. I, I can't write when I'm happy because I'm too damn happy. <laughs> you know, when, when you luckily loved... there's no shortage of bitches to break your heart. <laughs> you know, when you've loved and lost the way Tom has. <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you about Two uh, A in the Treehouse because on Sunday it's going on tonight. It goes on every yeah. Sunday, and it is the best free uh, best music series, but our best free music series. Thank you. In New York City, in the East Village, it's old school, unbelievable, wall to wall talent, cavalcade of stars every <laughs> yes. night. And I know, just as we're talking about the East Village and how it's changed, we were laughing in the last. Was it the New York Best of New York magazine? Yeah, best place to get a twenty two dollar, you know. Rye Manhattan, right? <laughs> you know, best place to get a suit for $490. But what happened like, to anything about the best music series? There was no poetry, there were no readings, there was nothing. It's... And I think especially in your case, it, w- it was a real crime because unlike most poetry and reading series, yours is actually exciting. Well, <laughs> you know, 2A has always been special to me for a lot of reasons. And uh, the upstairs has been, you know, some nights it was basically kind of empty. You know, weeknights like any bar, you got two floors and it's... It's got these wraparound windows. It's, it's we used to call it win- windows on the weird. A lot of people used to call it, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, I asked my boss, and we we started doing this thing on Sunday nights called I called it the Treehouse because it's well, it's upstairs and it's you know when you're a kid a treehouse it's, 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 it's mystery like what's up going on up there. It's where I you keep know? my slingshot. Yeah, exactly. My early magazines, my firecrackers. Exactly. You know, a little dope later when I got into that. <laughs> and it was two years ago in July and. I didn't know if it was going to last like, you know, a couple months or if anybody would go. And it just, it, it, it worked and, and it's really great. And it's the last, one of the last free things you can do in New York City. And you, you can't believe the people that come up and play for free. It's unbelievable. Like, You're surrounded by so much talent. It's, like, it's, for instance. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ellen Foley. You know, oh my God. She came up, she was playing and one of my idols, my friend's dad, who had never met at this point, uh, I'm a big fan of. 70s power pop and rock and the raspberries i'm a huge fan of and wally bryson the lead guitarist showed up with his son jesse who's extremely talented himself got up and did a bunch of raspberry songs and him and next thing you know him and ellen foley are playing together it was like insane wow and you know didn't cost anybody anything nobody has to <laughs> withdraw anything from their trust fund to go ahead and <laughs> And it's, even let losers like me play. I, we, you know what? You are a, pl- a pleasant surprise, Mike. Because you know, you, you, I don't know how to press I've that. I've seen him play theremin like a maestro, like like you know. And then he gets up and does folk gospel songs. And next week, uh, Craig Chesler, who's also from my hometown, is in the High Action Boys. We're having kind of a birthday thing we do every year. And like Kevin Kinney from Driving a Crying is coming up. You never know who's. Let me just say, you never know who's going to show up. And 
I would be honored if Mike Edison would come up and do some songs because well, uh, that's damn Christian. He uh, Tom energizes and, uh, the crowd. Believe me, if, if the good Lord's willing and the crick don't rise, count on it. I'll be there. He um, energizes then. the crowd, or is that insult? I can't remember what's a fine line. <laughs> no, I love it. But Mike, the gigs we've done at the Treehouse have been really some some of my favorites uh, over the last two years, and uh, ever ever really, it's very intimate. It's warm. Um, hats off to Christine, the bartender, as yeah, well. I mean, absolutely. it is. It's just a totally uh, good good vibe up there. Always. Well, it seems fun. to be like always, a real musician's musician place it's too. but it's it's people friendly too it doesn't really exclude people you know it's not a snobby kind of place no, no it, it, it's uh it's, it's got that uh, good vibe and it's the songwriting that's going on and that's yeah, i mean i warble a bit i can play a little bit but to me songwriting is something that escapes me you know and i'm always in awe of people like you that can really write songs it's easier for me to write a book than it is oh, to write monica passon is insanely great and she plays the last sunday of every month she does this thing called feel the stars and mm-hmm. she gets she collects a bunch of different songwriters and they take turns, and it's just amazing. I mean, Simon Charnier from Simon and Bar Sinisters is there. Simon's one of the great, oh my God. another great unsung hero. Yeah, man, he's he, pitching he, his guitar player in great. town, no it question. Great. And it's you know, and my favorite thing at the Treehouse really is I try to, I sort of push people to play together at the end of the night, not in a corny way where no, I no. want them to play Brown yeah, and Girl I'll... or something, but I, it's <laughs> some of the best. I, know, could, I couldn't wait to hand you my guitar. It's some of the best <laughs> stuff. Like you know, you never know what's going to happen, and it's it's. Uh, very rarely has it been cringeworthy. I'm not saying it never has been, but... <laughs> well, rarely is pretty good. For... Yeah. And let me tell you, that whole singer-songwriter thing could go south real fucking yeah. bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been to open <laughs> mic. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's once again been the fastest uh, half hour on the internet today. Um, Tom, where, where can everybody find you? On Facebook, on Twitter, yeah, on the website? Yeah, on Facebook. Where, you know... uh, there's 900 Tom Clarks in there, but you'll find me eventually. <laughs> and uh, I don't... I, I down my High Action Boy website, but... Uh, you can find me. All right, well, right. we're going to find you every uh, Sunday night. Every at, Sunday at night 2A, at the Treehouse, for at sure. At Treehouse at 2A. Yeah. Um, before we go, can you give us one more? Yeah, yeah. All right, um, man. For Mike and uh, Judy on the Heritage Radio Network, Tom do Clark. Do you have copyright problems here? Not until you said something. <laughs> let, let it rip. Well, this is, you know, I'm in my old man phase now where I'm getting the you know, little two into my sensitive side. But this is, every year I get hooked on one song. This is the song for about a year and a half I've been hooked on. And I always say that this song would have meant nothing to me when I was 16. Nothing. As a matter of fact, I would have hated it. But now, at my golden years, the song means so much to me. <laughs> I think I want to try to record it. It is by even. Charles Manson. I won't worry about <laughs> copyright. It's garbage stuff. But, uh, okay. This is by a guy named Danny O'Keefe. Everybody's gone away Said they're moving to L.A. There ain't a soul I know around Everybody's leaving town Some caught a freight, some caught a plane Find the sunshine, leave the rain They say this town will waste your time Guess they're right, it's wasting mine Some gotta win Some gotta lose Good time Charlie's got the blues Good time Charlie's got the blues You know my heart's been telling me 
You're not a kid at 43 You play around, you lose your wife You play too long, you lose your life I got my pills to ease the pain Can't find a thing to ease the rain I'd love to try and settle down but everybody's leaving town Some gotta win Some gotta lose Good time Charlie's got the blues Good time Charlie's got the blues Good time Charlie's got the blues Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.